What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It is your boy, Jonathan Macri, with you for another wonderful, jam-packed, informative, hilarious, all of the good adjectives in the English language episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. And of course, the episode is all of those good things, not because of me or God knows because of this team, but because of my co-host. You hear him to start every week, uh, the one and only Jeremy Cohen. Jeremy, uh, you returned from... Somewhere today. Where'd you go? Florida? Yeah, I went to Florida. It was great. Um, Where in Florida? Was it for the weekend? Okay. Sarasota. Ah, lovely. I love Yeah, love so my grandfather's down there and um, it was great. You know, I mean, it, it wasn't that warm, but it was a lot warmer than what it is now. Got to uh, see half of a spring training game before I went to the beach. Ooh, nice. Life is good. It was good. Happy to do it. Life is... I was thinking about this when I was... Because uh, I... Um, the Locked On, uh, sorry, not the Locked I was on Locked On Knicks earlier today with Alex. That's why it's on my mind. Uh, no, the Hard uh, Knicks Life guys um, were also down in Florida when I was down there last week. And uh, I was listening to their episode that they did after their return from Florida um, and uh, talking about like, yeah, life is just better um, where it's like warm and it's, you know, it's just like casual lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. They have, a, yeah. they have the right idea. Um, but alas, we are here, um, and, uh, we are going to talk about the basketball team that we have the same misfortune of loving to our dying day. Um, and I thought today, um, in the spirit of positivity and hope and all of the things that come with hiring a brand new president, um, which I know he wasn't seen around the practice facility today, but, um, rest assured, Leon Rose is officially the president the new president of the new york knicks i imagine we'll get a press conference sometime this week hopefully i will be there um let's talk about uh so here let's let me give the full backdrop i texted jeremy and i told him that we should both make a top five list of the things that we most hope for from this organization between now and the beginning of next season um with a couple of caveats one they had to be realistic so Jeremy, of course, asked, um, so what, what am I giving up for Giannis? And I said, no, no, no. Silly, silly young boy. We're not training for Giannis today. Um, tomorrow we are. Tomorrow is a new day, but today, <laughs> uh, what else? Uh, so no, no craziness. And oh, oh, the other thing, we had to be specific. So like, yeah, it would be super easy for the two of us to sit here and be like, hire a competent front office, but that's no fun because, you know, any idiot could do that. So, we're both going to try. I, I yeah, we're going to try to be specific. And then the third thing is we don't know each other's lists, um, which should make for some, I, I imagine, some interesting listening. Um, before we start our list, Jeremy, 
how did you find this this process of coming up with this list? It was a lot harder than I thought, just because. Uh, so, for starters, I, I I don't think we need to necessarily say it, but I'll say it. Uh, we totally have the right to change this within like a month, three weeks, whatever it is. Uh, we could light this. So, we could light this on fire in oh, a totally. day yeah. if we want. Yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, when you had the caveat of specificity, it, it certainly made some decisions a little bit more challenging. Totally. And you do have to then obviously consider uh, lottery and a weak free agent class and all these other circumstances. So uh, it's certainly fun. I mean, I, I haven't gotten to the point where I have gone back to my Excel spreadsheet. I've got to recreate it because for some reason, I guess when I changed computers, um, I stopped having a license for Excel. So now I've got to rebuild my entire salary cap model in Google Sheets, which I should have really done in the first place. But uh, whatever, it doesn't matter. But the point being is like once I get into it, it'll feel a lot better. But this was a lot of fun to do just because it's it's like it feels realistic and yet it's a wish list at the same time. Yeah. So I I, uh, I second that it was more. Ch- <laughs> it was my idea. And yet as soon as I started to embark on this, I was like, oh, shit, what did I get myself into here? Um, so, yeah, we're, we're going to get into it. Uh, well, hell, let's get into it right now. Um. Actually, before we do, before I just want to say do, one yes. funny thing. Please. How, I mean, just generally speaking, how impressive has Mitch been this past week? I mean, really all of the month of February. Um, but I can't remember who it was, but someone tweeted at both of us and was like, I think Mitch has been listening to your podcast. <laughs> and it's like, I, I, it's amazing. It's like Jokic somehow, he and Jokic switched bodies to an extent. Um, <laughs> for that one I play, for, yes. I asked for potential assists and... He's got like three in the last week, which for those of you out there who maybe aren't as familiar with the stat is very good. At least it shows some significant improvement. It's yeah. not elite, but it's it's like that's what you want to see. Um, yeah, that's all I wanted to say beforehand. I just I just thought it was hilarious how he's been he's been looking for like the play with Knox in the post. And he's actually that's, looking for him. that's the one. I mean, the way he I, I said this on uh, uh, locked on earlier today, um, the way he was like wielding the ball above his head. I mean, how could you not think of Jokic? Um, and it's like, yes, that's one and a half of 1% of what Jokic does in like an average game. Um, but hey, the fact that he was doing it at all. Also, um, we must have ESP because I was going to ask you if you minded if I had an honorable mention before my top five. I don't mind at all. And Go right ahead. the reason I say we must have ESP is because my honorable mention is this summer extend Mitchell Robinson. The reason it's an honorable mention, as you may already be guessing, is um, I said the caveat for this is that they all had to be realistic. The Knicks can technically extend Mitchell Robinson this summer, but without getting too deep into the CBA, um, they could basically extend him where the, the new contract starts at the value of the of 120% of the estimated average salary of an NBA player, which this past season was $9.5 million. So the long and the short, and you, you could have 8% increases. Long and the short of it, the max they could extend in four is four years, if my math was correct, and I think it was, like $51.3 million or whereabouts. The reason I have this as an honorable mention is because I don't think there is any prayer after he has signed with Clutch Sports, 
um, of him extending for such a contract. Do you think that there would be any hope of him signing on the dotted line to such a deal? Zero. Um, zero. Wow. I would put it at zero, but holy shit. I think because here's the thing. Um, if we look at past clutch, can um that's clients? yes that's where i was going to keep going i mean like uh kcp turned down what five years eight million dollars <laughs> to bet on himself yeah um anthony davis obviously it, it made sense for him it makes sense for him to hit the market next year instead um i just you know let's look at it this way if mitch can get 10 million dollars um the year like not this summer but the summer after um then why sign the contract this year? If you feel like he can get even more, then do it. But like, if 10 is your baseline here, and it's kind of like the line in the sand is drawn that it's going to cost at least 10 million, then why would you handicap yourself to that? Why not have Mitch at 22 years old betting on himself? Um, he's already one of the premier shot blockers in the NBA. If he's trying, if he's becoming bigger, if he's becoming better, if his game is a little bit more all around, then that only that only that's only more money for him and for the agency so again like yeah it seems crazy to say zero because when you're staring 10 million dollars a year in the face i'm sure that's probably pretty significant but i i just i think that past precedence for that agency shows you kind of let the market play out and then go from there um you forgot someone on their um clutch sports greatest hits list great greatest hits list one nerland's noel remember the contract oh, yeah. He turned out. <laughs> that's that's not looking these days. Um, yeah, so it's it's probably not going to happen. I, j- you know what it is. I, you never know. Like he's again, he's making one point. I don't know, one point five million. I think this year scheduled to make one point. I think eight million next year. It's you know, if, if you present that kind of number in front of somebody, it, it, and it's not like Mitch doesn't have a history of jumping around agents. It, that there's like a wild card aspect to it, which is the only reason that I that I brought it up. But to your main point, he's been a beast. I I think the last since the All Star break has been a real uptick, and I I'm really excited to see what we're gonna get for the next 22 games. I hope, um, man, I hope they keep playing him with shooting. That's really all. I, yeah, I, get, and I'm I'm glad that he didn't make the Rising Stars team because it yeah, feels like it almost same. stirred something up. Same. Um, okay, let's start with you. Uh, what's your number five uh, wish on your wish list? Um, so I went, I'm going in sequential order. Oh, from okay. Now until then. I, oh, interesting. If that's cool. That's that I did not. So I guess I could rejigger. Yeah, I could rejigger mine. That's fine. Okay, because I think that maybe that's what was also making it a little bit harder for me was like how you, the snowball effect of everything. Um, so. This is really my only one in season. It's a very easy one. Uh, it's give the kids more playing time. Uh, we, we've seen a little bit of it more. I'm hoping that with Rose on board that it kind of comes down like, hey, let's let's prioritize the youth a little bit more. Um, you know, like uh, I think there was something where since Mike Miller took over, like one example is Frank has averaged like 17 minutes a game or so. Uh, and Knox certainly hasn't been averaging very many. Dennis Smith Jr. is out for a while, which is very unfortunate. I'd love to see Mitch consider continue doing what he's doing, as you're saying, uh, with that shooting. RJ, uh, you know, they're like they're they're great halves, and they're halves where it feels like Peyton and Randall and Miller just completely ignore that his existence like that that he exists. Um, so yeah, I, like I'd love to just see mixing and matching of these young players with vets who actually help them. And it was almost promising to see Randall not play 
the entire fourth quarter a couple games ago. Oh, it was so showed, lovely. Right. It showed that maybe Mike Miller is trying to, you know, influence him in a way that's like, you're not just assumed anything. If you're not contributing to winning basketball or helping out from a spacing effort or really just anything that feels positive except for your individual stats, then why are you, why are you playing? And yeah, I just, I just, I'd love to see the young guys play and play with the veterans who are going to help space the floor because really Alfred Payton does nothing for you unless you're trying to trade him at the end of the year. And I don't see many, if any teams that want Alfred Payton on an $8 million contract when they can get similar players or even Alfred Payton on the free agent market for cheaper. Um, so a couple numbers to toss out quickly. Uh, since Mike Miller took over, we have, um, in terms of minutes, uh, Randall obviously is leading the way at 33 minutes a game. RJ has remained high, 29.3. But then you got um, Peyton, 28.6. Reggie Bullock, 24.5. Harkless has been at 24.6 since he's um, been here. Mitch, 23.9, which he's actually the only one I'm not going to complain about because they've they've more or less given him as much run. The only thing they haven't done is when he's picked up two fouls. They haven't been like, keep going and we'll take a chance. They basically, he pulls them anytime. It's, it's, it's two fouls quick. Um, but then he's been, he's been better with, with foul trouble recently. And also just want to say, I don't really care if he's starting or not. He's doing such a good job that it doesn't really matter. I I talked about it on on lockdown. So I don't want to double dip for anybody who plans on listening to both podcasts, but in short, I think they should be starting him. Am I going to um, lose sleep over it? No. Um, The ones that kill you, Dotson only appeared in 29 out of a possible, uh, looks like 38 games, 18.7 minutes. Frank, 17.4. Knox, 17. Um, DSJ, 14.2. Alonzo Trier, obviously, almost no games. And those he's played in, 11.4. So um, that's a good one. I'm going to – so you're making making my life tough here with this sequential thing. I'm going to go out of order. Yeah, that's fine. No, for this reason. I too share your sentiment, but I don't, I just don't think it's realistic that we're going to see. I, here's the thing. I want to see RJ Barrett not play with Julius Randle, but I also want to see RJ Barrett play 30 minutes a night. And those two things are just not going to happen because there is no way, shape or form other than maybe the last five to 10 games that we're going to, and I closer to the five side, do I think Rand, they're just going to sit Randall. I just don't think they're going to do it and ditto for Alfred Payton. So my first one is trade Julius Randle this offseason. Um, I don't care what they trade him for. Um, I I am of the belief that there will be a team out there, and we, we've we had, I think we've had a couple of episodes over the course of the last several months where we've talked about Randle's trade value. I still believe there is a team that would take him on essentially as a net neutral asset on what is going to be a not it's not you can't call it an 18 million dollar or 20 million dollar expiring contract because 4 million guaranteed for the following season that's a real that's not nothing that's a real number but despite that partial guarantee i still think that there's a team you know whether it's a you know like a charlotte or a i don't know um i mean chicago has a lot of bigs and and probably not them but like a Phoenix, maybe if things like I know they have a lot of bigs too, but like, there's got to be someone out there that'll just say, "All right, we'll give you a top fifty-five protected second-round pick for this guy." Um, make the move, have the balls to make the move because 
I don't need to go on and, and, and talk about it too much. There's just no world where he makes sense if you're really, and this is going to become a theme with my list, if you're really trying to prioritize the young players on this team. And specifically, more than that, because it's not all about like young players equates to, you know, gumdrops and candy canes all the time. But like, you want to foster a style of play and an identity that doesn't involve Randall doing what he does half a dozen times every night, which is look off wide open guys or just not even look for them at all. Um, so that's my, that's my number five. Well, so you not going in order now means that I'm not going to go in, or, in order, which is fine. We've ripped up because, the rules already. It's fine. Oh yeah, totally. Um, because I have trade Randall uh, and I have him going to Charlotte. Um, oh, and do, what I, do you have a deal? I do. Yeah. I mean, we'll see how this works. Um, so what I said was trade Randall and DSJ to Charlotte for Batum and a future second. Um, basically, the reason I did these combination, this combination of players, uh, for starters, the Hornets do clear some cap space. It doesn't really matter because it's like, well, who are they going to spend it on? But I think that also you have to consider the fact that this team just needs talent above all. <laughs> can, um, I, can, I, can I chime in for one sec? Here's how many times I've tried to work out fake trades with the Hornets. I typed into my Google just the starting letters of hoops hype the fourth thing that comes down hoops hypes backslash salaries backslash charlotte underscore hornets my god the poor (laughs) hornets that we try to just unload all of our crap on them constantly i know and here's the thing it's like because i i did the same thing i looked around the entire league and it's almost like they're the best choice because it feels like they're almost the only choice but i think the fact that um with dsj it's like we rag on him and he's really not worth that much but there were there have been a couple games, at least lately, before he was concussed, where he's had these moments where he's shown he can be a more than capable backup player. And that's fine, too. Again, I, I still think that him being in North Carolina, they, they maybe it's not that star talent for him. It's certainly not for Randall, at least, at least from what we've seen. Um, but having the third year, I think, actually really comes in handy for a small market team that might rely on uh, drafting and trading as opposed to free agent signings. So if they're interested in Randall, they could certainly work. But, you know, I've, I've also thought, like, what about a team like the Pistons? They could use talent because um, it was Bobby Marks who raised the point where it's like, how long are the Pistons and ownership going to be comfortable with this team being bad? But you have Blake Griffin and you've got Christian Wood, who you have to imagine they'll try to resign. So yeah. it's kind of a roadblock there. And, yeah, I thought, like, what if the Knicks did something like trading Randall to the Suns and they took back what would likely be Frank Kaminsky's player option because he's likely going to opt into that. And you could, you could find other, other trades. I totally agree. It's all the same teams. We always look towards the teams that are like between a rock and a hard place. And you're like, well, they got to do something. Um, Can we, I mean, I know the salaries wouldn't work out if we included Monk, but I'd love to get Monk Monk back in that, in that deal. But yeah, I don't know. It's just so murky because his whole situation right now with being suspended indefinitely, I mean, you know, you, you get suspended. It's a, you at least have a definitive amount of games, but to me, it's like a, it's a major red flag. That oh, it's like the, you, the, the guy might never, I mean, at this rate, we don't know if he's ever going to play basketball again, but that's right. all the more reason to be like, Hey, can you throw him in? If we, you know, I guess they would have to put in like uh but, Reggie's Reggie Bullock's salary anyway. Right. Because the thing is you already have to deal with Joakim Noah's dead salary. Then if you waive the, you know, like your Taj, Ellington or uh, Peyton's, then you have to deal with a million guaranteed there on each salary. So, and then if you add Monk, it's it's more. So it's just like it's it adds more, yeah. up as a problem. And it's okay. like a bunch of shitty dead cap um, or dead salary. So, but I see what you mean. It'd be great to invest in those types of players. 
but I just don't know if he's the one. Well, you, you know what I love though in your trade is Batum, um, the French, the Frenchman coming back to mentor uh, the the cat who has nine lives. Pretty Frank, much, Frankie Baby's still here. And yeah, yeah. Let's also factor in the uh, RJ, of course, speaks French. Yes, he does. And they can have their own little club. They do, and there is a prospect who is French as well. Um, just gonna that out there. And he and he is very much in the Knicks range, assuming they don't drop four spots. And even then, he might still be available. I'm, oh, I'm 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 curious if this is someone that might come up on your list. Okay, um, okay, I'm going to continue to try to be within the spirit of of your rule that you decided um, and throw at me as we were recording. It's this. already it's, chaos. It's at that, this point. So just like just do what you need to do. Okay. Well, should, oh, hmm, this is a tough decision. Do I want to? Do I want to stay going in? No, I, okay. I'm, I, you know what? I'm making my own rules for my own list. So no, I'm not going to go um, in uh, in sequential order. I'm going to go in whatever goddamn order I want. So if we're trading Julius Randall, that means we need to have a replacement for Julius Randall. Um, and uh, I am not yet willing to hand so I, as someone who said in wrote or whatever on Friday, like give Knox 30 minutes a game for the rest of the season and, and see what he could do. I don't necessarily think plugging him in as the starter for next season. And like, again, automatic 30 minutes a night is necessarily the best way to go. But I think a perfect scenario is to sign someone to a very high money deal. Um, and part of what you're paying for is their understanding that, Hey, um, their role may not be, you know, commensurate with um, their talent, so to speak. So this would be kind of a timeshare situation at the four. And yes, I am advocating for Knox to play a lot at the four. But again, he doesn't have to be a four. He could also play the three. So this wouldn't necessarily block him too much. Um, number four for me is to sign um, Danilo Gallinari back to the Knicks. I understand that this is his he's older. And he's looking for money. That's apparently why the trade with Miami didn't work out because they didn't want to give him two guaranteed years on an extension. Um, I say basically give him like whatever they could sign him for for one year, give it to him. Like this would be akin to the Philly uh, 76ers giving JJ Redick whatever the hell they gave him a couple years ago, $20 million. Give Gallo $25 million to come here and play next season. Um, Bring him back to New York. Stretch four, perfect stretch four, perfect alongside Mitch. For help, will it will help the development of Mitch. It'll help with the development of RJ. Um, he knows the city, he knows the building, he knows the landscape. He's not going to get phased. Um, he can give a little nice leadership, locker room culture, the whole thing. Um, and also, it'll be an understanding that, like, look, your minutes may decrease as the season goes on. Um, and you know, hey, they also might be able to trade him to a contender at the deadline if they sign him to a nice fat one year deal. Cause who wouldn't want that guy? Um, that's number four on my list. So I agree. I, in the sense that as I was going through this, I thought the Knicks really could use a veteran four. And I also thought as well that Knox playing significant minutes at the four would be great. He just, he's not ready for that role. Not the whole time, not for 30 minutes a night. That's crazy. Right. Yeah. Right. So I'm going to run some numbers by you and I want to get your thoughts on them. I love numbers. <laughs> I'm a big numbers guy. Perfect. All right. You ready for the numbers? Yes. Zero, 59, 53, 
63, 21, 68, 51. What in the hell did you just, what, I don't know what any of this means. I listed off the number of games played over the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven years for Danilo Gallinari. How is that a bad thing? He gets injured. That's built in time to get your kids more, more opportunity to, to play. Are you suge- you're suggesting just a one year deal? Is that correct? I am. Here's what I am suggesting. I am suggesting a one year deal. Um, nothing more than one year because while I think, and I just, I haven't gotten into this on my list. Could there be an opportunity that presents itself, which involves taking on a lot of salary past next season? Sure. This is not, this is not the guy that I would do that for. I would hope, and I think it's realistic. I would hope that basically telling him, all right, we're going to give you in one year pretty close to what any other team is going to give you over two years. I think maybe that entices him to come and uh, spend a year of his life as a uh, handsome, still fairly young-ish um, man in uh, in the island of Manhattan. I mean, what could be better? So, uh, Is he married? I should know. Is he? Is Danilo? I'm going to look up whether he's married. This could really factor in, I think, big time. <laughs> I, I believe he is actually married. Uh, so, yes, that's certainly an option. Um but what to you sounds like a better plan? Uh, one, the Knicks say, hey, here's a one-year deal. It's a big pay. We want you here. Or two, going back to the Miami Heat, them saying, look, we can give you a multi-year contract, the same amount of money practically that the Knicks can offer, and uh, you'll be on a playoff team. And, uh, oh, yeah, we're basically an Andre Iguodala team option decline away from opening max cap space the year Giannis is a free agent. And you know, you just know that, you know, teams that are that good are going to go after a player like Giannis. I don't, so I, my counter to that is I think every team that is already good right now is going to keep their options as open as possible, and that includes the Heat. And I do not think the Heat would, I think if the Heat were going to compromise themselves for, for the summer of 2021, they would have already done it. And they would have, I think my but I'm under- saying they're not, but I'm saying they're not compromised. They can do both. And the uh, fact that they can do is, both. Okay. So yeah, could they? Sure. But there are also, uh, like, I don't, I just don't think they want to hamstring themselves with that money past, past next year. I mean, listen, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they do. I just, to me, I get a sense that what, if they would have, if they were willing to do that, why wouldn't they have done it at the trade deadline and traded for him and given themselves a better chance to win this year? Well, I mean, the Iguodala situation complicated things financially speaking. Um, but we also have to consider the fact that Gallinari really hasn't been on that many good teams in his career. And this is like, it's I mean, the Nuggets for why the Clippers, they were okay. Yeah, but, you know? but it wasn't right. But okay is different from, you know, like being a good team and he's 31 years old. He's th- time is of the essence. Yeah, I, he look, may be in a position where he, if he's going to win and he's going to, ma- or if he's if he's at least going to make money, why not do it on a team where he can win? And also, he gets to do be- do a better job with the taxes because Florida versus New York, it's a completely different situation. All right, I'm not seeing that he's married, which is enough for me to end on this note on this point. <laughs> Listen, Give that guy a twenty five million dollar check and tell him to walk away from it for, a, and he gets to live in New York for a year. Let me yeah, see him do again. that. Him being married in this situation, I mean, if we have to assess like ball players and just the way of the world, I mean, I don't know if him being married would necessarily be a huge issue for whatever it's worth. But again, I, I think 
You adulterous son of a bitch. You, I hope, me. you know, I'm going to present asshole, this to boy. your future wife one day um, <laughs> as evidence of your infidelity. Uh, who's up? You're up. What's your, what's your number right. three thing? Uh, my number, th- man, I don't even know what number I'm at. Okay. Um, Just pick something. All right. So if we're talking about, about money for a big player, um, this, so this is one I really struggle with. Cause again, I do agree. I think that archetype would be perfect. And I thought like, Oh, what about someone like, Paul Millsap, and I thought, man, you know, at 35, that's that's a lot. Um, especially because I could see him. He's from Denver originally, I believe, and I could see him just kind of re-signing as a chance to contend and right off into the sunset at some point. Yeah, maybe. Um, so one thing I'd love to see. Go on though. Yeah, yeah. Um, one thing I'd love to see is, and again, this is really more wish than realistic. Um, I really want to see the Knicks go after Brandon Ingram. I just do. I know he's not going to go anywhere. Here's the reason why I say it. Yeah. Because it's very possible that Brandon Ingram is, uh, has agreed to a a new deal. Um, the moment that free agency opens highly possible, the market is going to move. I would imagine fairly slowly because of how few teams really have cap space. So if you wanted to extend an offer and tie yourself up to what July 8th, you could, that's when the moratorium, the two day window after the moratorium. But the reason I say for Brandon Ingram, and maybe it's not the Knicks, maybe it's another team, but getting him on a short term contract would be a win. So basically, I'm not suggesting that the Knicks offer five year max, or well, they can't, well, they a four year max. Four year max. Right. Um, I'm suggesting more of perhaps the Knicks extend a short money max contract offer. And if he were to sign it, and the Pelicans match, then the Knicks didn't get him, no, but they also have hurt an opponent. And by that, I mean, if he opts into that final year, he's a seven-year player. I was and at that point, eligible for 30% of a salary. I was about to say, you're giving him, you're, you're trying to sign him to the two plus one. My daughter is very right. excited about your Ingram idea, by the way, in case As you can't hear in the back. As she should. No, look, he's an awesome <laughs> player. He's an all-star this year for a reason. Um, I would, I would give him whatever max contract he wanted to sign with us. Um, totally. I just, again, it's, it's kind of trying to force the Pelicans. Again, I, I think I, I'm, I'm with you in terms of like a, a, a veteran four would be, perfect for this team um it's just the market is so i mean yeah maybe maybe you do another marcus morris signing and instead of 15 million you give him 20 million and you say you know we actually want to win this year but there's also <laughs> well, the possibility or or what you do is this like you find another team you, you maybe that wants to make room for marcus morris because if he wants to sign with a contender um, which I would imagine he, he might want to Can do. you imagine if they signed him and they traded him again? And it's, just, <laughs> it's just Groundhog Day every single year. That would be, it would absolutely be the funniest shit. Out. Look, I don't, can I, can I just say I agree with your premise, but there's two things that I don't like. One, I, I just, it's not, it's not, it wouldn't make my top five list. And two, there's another reason why I would not want to sign Brandon Ingram if, in my dream world, which is what we're living in. And I'll get to it when we get to my, Number one thing, but anyway, this was this was the hardest one for me. Free okay. agency, the brand, because huh? of the fact that it's just like, yeah, I mean, like, what, what about this? Um, and uh, you know, it's the sort of thing which is going on Marcus Morris again in terms of not signing with the Knicks, but if you were to try to help another team create that cap space, then yeah. that's another thing that I could recommend. Like, if you're in the situation where the Jazz desperately need uh, someone else, even though you know some depth at the four, because I mean, Bogdanovich is a really great player, but 
they need more talent if it's not working out with Mike Conley. Taking on Conley, getting a huge trade exception, and then having Marcus Morris go there, that's that's a different story. I, I like so I thought about putting a salary dump situation on my top five list, and I just don't think they're gonna be available. I know people have thrown around Connolly's name. I just I just can't see the Jazz after making that investment just less than a year ago, turning around and being like, Yeah, it didn't work in year one, we're gonna pulled after what they gave up i just i don't know i I have a tough i have a tough time seeing it so again i'm not going in sequential order i'm going to skip to the draft right now if that's okay with you sure um i would like the knicks with the the new york knickerbockers with the pick that they i would be shocked if they did not pick in a position to be able to draft this player select um out of the university of north carolina cole anthony um so that's Number three on my list. Um, and the reason is pretty simple. I So I told you I was watching tape of a prospect. It was it was Cole Anthony. I, I went back and watched all of his possessions um, over the last uh, three games he's played. So um, against Louisville last Saturday, against uh, NC State this past Tuesday, and then against Syracuse, uh, what is yesterday for us right now. And he is now – so he came back from the injury um his first one two three four games struggled shooting in all of the games um pretty significantly um he his highest field goal percentage in any one was 41 percent last five games um has shot he shot seven for 16 44 percent in three straight games then he went seven for 12 uh two games ago and then last game against syracuse eight for 13 including seven of 11 from three uh, he had 25 points along with, oh my God, my daughter does not like this decision, apparently, um, including seven assists. Here's my point. He's a point guard. He's not a, he's not a, he doesn't have the passing vision of, um, of LaMelo Ball, um, or probably even of like Killian Hayes, but his vision is good enough. He could play point guard in the NBA. The shot is, I believe in the shot. I believe in the shot totally. He could get into the lane. He's a good decision maker when he gets into the lane. He's good around the basket, and he defends. He's not a he's not a great defender, but he's a good defender. Um, and if you tell me, like, this is a draft where everybody has warts, and I'm going to need to take someone with warts, I want to take someone that is the archetype of this kid. And, oh, by the way, spent most of his life in New York. Obviously, he's Greg Anthony's kid. Again, another situation, a guy that knows the Knicks, knows the garden through his dad, but still um, went to high school at, I want to say, I'm going to look it up right now. I think it's Archbishop, not Archbishop Loy, um, one, of the, one of the big local high schools before he transferred to, um, I think it was Oak Hill. I just think there's a lot of reasons why you do this. Archbishop Malloy, I was right. Um, that's my That's my number three. What do you think? So it's funny you say Cole Anthony. Um, I actually, <laughs> I had this uh, tweet saved in my draft. And I'll just read it now. No, I'll probably delete it. And it's fine. Uh, it's, I can see it now. The Knicks will draft Cole Anthony. Leon Rose will say, Cole's an excellent player. I've had the pleasure of knowing the Anthony family for almost three decades. <laughs> they'll, they'll market it as connecting the past and the future and joke about the UNC Duke rivalry with RJ. Great. And, wonderful. And he and RJ, I, uh, I believe that RJ said in an interview back in 
September or so. Um, that he and RJ are somewhat close. Um, can I can I just yeah. can I just say something? This was supposed to be a realistic list. I did not even think of that, and yet <laughs> the storyline only makes it more likely that the Knicks would do this so they could win the PR, uh, the you know the back page, so to speak. Anyway, continue. Yeah. So I so clearly like I, I have thought about this as well in the sense that I totally agree that they could do this. I think they're gonna take the you said it best with PR. Um. I am of the belief, and I kind of am saying this on my wish list too. It it very much depends on where they fall. But um, in talking with my one of my roommates, who's a huge Knicks fan as well, we are both convinced that the Knicks are trading up if they have to for Lamelo. And the reason I, I say that's that, not crazy, right? The reason I say it is, and like we've talked about this too, right? Where we the Knicks went from a star in Porzingis to then no stars in. Durant and whomever. And then once again, when they struck out, then they really had none. And now we're seeing a really bad season where Randall's the star and RJ is good, but he doesn't have that, that pizzazz quite yet in terms of your average fan. And then he gets fired. Um, and him being Steve Mills, we'll see what happens with Scott Perry. And they bring on Leon Rose and they bring on Steve Stout, who talks all about brand. And <laughs> I like we talk about season ticket holders and the energy and I just I just get this feeling that if you want to talk about excitement and have something that's really like this young core versus like an exciting core, I feel like the Knicks are going to look at a player like LaMelo Ball and they're going to see how captivating he is. I mean, yes, his shooting stats were really bad in, what, 11, 12 games. Um, what we also have to consider is the fact that he played in a league that was a lot tougher than the NCAA. Uh, eh, he it, just, it tougher. It, it's okay. not, the, the, I, the point being is, is, is it's clearly a step up. It's, it's, professionals it's, yes, it's and, a step up. Right. He played for one of the worst teams in that league. So if spacing is a problem, if offense is an issue um, – they're relying on a 19-year-old. And if you watch the last few games before he went down with the injury, like you could see the star talent there. I mean, just the it's hard to get the exact stats from the NBL. I'm sure someone like Spencer. Spencer has, has them, them and he, we've talked um, about it on, on here. Yeah. But I mean, just if you look at the last, I want to say uh seven games of his season. Just just purely from looking at the box score. And I, again, that's not something you want to do necessarily. But just looking at that, you can see the level of star potential. No, it's there. And But even more than the, the numbers, the, the thing that Spencer has told me about LaMelo from, from day one, which has me encouraged if they do make this move, is um, he does, as much as the shooting form is an issue, he seems to have touch that, right. you, you know, that you can't teach. And like, I just... I'm trepidatious about and and to be clear, if the Knicks ended up with Lamelo Lamelo Ball in this draft, I would not complain. I would be happy because again, I, I think this is a league where elite skills win you championships, and he's by all indications the he possesses the most elite skill in the entire draft, which is his passing. So, yeah, if and that's that's my big thing too, right? Yeah. Like, um, and I even I even started out with the note where I was like, I want a ball handler with elite passing vision. Um, and kind of break down a defense. And maybe, you know, I personally need to see more of Lamella of the tapes that we have of him. Um, like the first two in terms of passing and vision, absolutely phenomenal. Um, so it's, it's like that sort of thing where you, 
you use that and you kind of build around and if he's got that potential to make the players around him better. Like I just think of a team where RJ Barrett is surrounded by LaMelo Ball uh, instead of having to be surrounded by um, Julius Randle. And it's it feels night and day even if LaMelo is not this incredible player year one. Even if he's not an incredible player in his entire and- career, just a six seven player who can distribute like that and look to find his, his teammates, whereas Alfred Payton doesn't even bother to care that R.J. Barrett breathes because he doesn't pass him the ball. It's like it's just a very nice, refreshing change of pace. And maybe Cole Anthony does that. I'm sure he can, but he doesn't do it quite at that level. So I'm going to I'm going to go out of order on my on my list um, and I'm going to say my next one, because if they and, and to be I should say, I think I'm leaning towards the direction of like these are the top my top two guys that I like would be most excited if the Knicks ended up with, it would be, I'm, it's probably going to be these two, although I really haven't dug into Anthony Edwards that much, but I have, I have a, I don't know, weird feeling about him. Anyway, number two on my list or number one on my list, which I'm skipping ahead is I want them to tank next season. And I know that is a cringeworthy statement for a lot of people, especially people who have followed me and read me and listened to me for the last two years, because I have kind of, I think, come off as the anti-tanking guy. And I want to clarify. Um, here's what I think will be great about drafting either Cole Anthony or LaMelo Ball is putting the ball in the hands next season of a rookie point guard and basically saying, like, go, like, have at it here. Like, here you go. One of two things, like they're going to dominate the ball because this is going to be Leon Rose's first draft pick. They're going to, we know how the Knicks operate. They're going to look to highlight him because they did it last year with Kevin Knox. They're doing it this year with RJ Barrett. They're going to do it next year with whoever they draft, either one of these guys. They're, and one of two things is going to happen. They're, they're either the player that they draft is going to shock the world and is going to be, you know, John Morant light and lead the Knicks to an actual like good season, or they're going to have significant growing pains. And the team is going to be really bad. Why I want that is because it would, it would basically do what honestly is the most responsible thing to do next season ahead of the 2021 draft. Um, which is one, give all of your young players on this team another year to, you know, get court time and like learn how to play basketball together and in an advanced level. Um, and probably give yourself a really good chance at a draft pick because, and here, and, and the thing I want to say by saying tanking, I don't, I'm not hoping they'll lose. I just want them to play. Let's, I mean, we, I don't have to name the names. Mitchell Robinson, RJ Barrett, draft pick X. Um, who else should we add to that list? Kevin Knox, like all of these guys need to play something close to 30 minutes a night. Um, and then you, you disperse your veterans, like, but not Julius Randall offered Peyton veterans. I'm thinking more Taj Gibson, the aforementioned Daniel Gallinari, Wayne Ellington. Yes. I wouldn't mind keeping around Reggie Bullock, like shooters, right? Um, that's kind of my dream for next year. What do you think of that? Well, I'm going to get my fifth out of the way. Um, because I, I do want to address your point. Um, so my fifth is, in terms of finding the right GM for this team. My, my uh, last one is uh, the GM. I'm curious. Are you going to name a GM? Yeah, sure. Actually, I thought, I thought this was you. I thought this was my fifth or your fifth. So that was, I, I, that, I have one more and it's the GM that I'm going to name. So this is your, I think this is your last one. Yeah, this is. So let me hold off on that for a second. Then I'll go back. 
with your point, yeah. Uh, I honestly didn't realize that I wasn't alone in thinking this um, because I, I really want the same thing too. You know, I understand that a lot of Knicks fans want this team to be good. I do too. The idea of an eighth consecutive under 500 season sucks, right? There's no way around it. It absolutely sucks. With that said, we have to just accept the fact that by trading away a player in Porzingis, you're taking a step back and acknowledging that and saying like, okay, well, his injury then led to RJ Barrett, whoever the team picks this year, and a, a really high pick next year. Plus, and again, like what you're saying, it doesn't have to be a tank. It can just be kind of like throwing spaghetti at yeah, the wall. We, and we shouldn't use that word, actually. Can we think of a different word of basically like, we're going to play all of our most talented young players and empower them by putting them in the best situation you could possibly put 19, 20, and 21-year-olds in. We need a new word for that because that's what I want them to do. We're going to 2019-2020 Atlanta Hawk it. How about that? Is that a fair way? Yes, but I – yeah. I mean no. even then they, they made a trade, but it's like you know they took they're, – they're playing Trey Young, Collins when he wasn't suspended – her um you know like all these all these young guys i'm blanking of course a hunter a reddish they're playing those five guys significant minutes they traded for clint capella I, who's who's not even playing because he's hurt um it's i like almost wanted them opportunities i almost wanted to be a worse version not and listen if it is the grizzlies that means we drafted our version of moran which hey great but like what the grizzlies are doing and you know what the best part about the grizzlies in are which I, I'm sorry, the one train I could never get on is like you have to play all the young guys together. No, you mix and match, and you play the as long as all the young guys are getting time. In if they're getting time in the situation where it is benefiting them the most, maybe it doesn't make sense to play who are their young guys, um, Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. and Brandon Clark and Dylan Brooks all at the same time. I have no idea what the minutes per game are for like those four guys together, but I do know all four of those guys are doing really well. Um, that's. It, again, sorry, not to belabor the point, but that's what I want. No, you're right. And again, it's with this Knicks team, next year's supposed to be a deep draft. That's Very. what we're hearing. So if that's the case, um, we don't have to enter the season hoping for losses because there's, it's a comfort to know that, yes, the lottery is a crapshoot. And yes, the talent, there isn't nearly as steep of a drop off in terms of elite potential talent. So we don't have to stress over every game. So, yeah, I'm totally with you, and I don't expect any team with a rookie ball handler to do that well except for – I mean, like, John Morant is really far it happens more of the once exception every, than the rule. It happens once every, what, couple of years? Like, I'm trying to think when's the last rookie – I'll look it up, but keep talking. I'm, I'm Yeah. And so then if you're able to find a situation where – I mean, we talked about Kate Cunningham. Again, there are other players who are there. I'm not as familiar with, with the names of those draft players. I've, I've seen mocks and read some some – stories on them and whatnot but it's the sort of thing where if you told me that in 2021 right you could walk into the summer with your entire front your entire backcourt and you're starting small forward just for the sake of it i mean they can all be versatile but like that type of situation maybe you can figure out a way to get a stretch four with the clippers pick or the mavs pick or something like you're just you're building you're you're slowly yeah. doing it there's there shouldn't be a rush here we should just kind of throw free agency for big stars out the window. And yeah, I mean, like the Gallinari move is is in a lot of ways like the Millsap move, except for the fact that it would be single, it would be one year. Um, 
But if it's cool, I'd like to actually use that to springboard into my next point. Please do. Which is for the general manager. There are a lot of names out there. I really just want someone who's been an, an executive in a front office with proven success um, and also has been in front offices, if, nece- if possible, that have had failures because I think you learn quite a bit from your failures um, and as much as your successes, if not more sometimes, although clearly not in the case of Scott Perry. But the point <laughs> here is I would love to see uh, Arturis Karnasovas, who's the Denver GM. The reason I pick him is – I mean, you can see what Denver's doing, right? It's fantastic. But my big thing is, I mean, drafting and development. That's the key here. We should, we, I know I said a moment ago, we should forget about free agency. I don't mean completely. I just mean in the sense of we go star hunting, or at least a lot of us do. And that's not a plan. It's not a plan. It's not right. You, you, it kind of like you work for it. You don't hope for it. Yep. Yep. So with Karnasovas, I mean, He's had, since he's been there in 2013, uh, he's had Jamal Murray, Malik Beasley, and Michael Porter Jr. all in the first round. And they could take Michael Porter Jr. because they could afford to take that level of risk. But a huge thing for me is also their second round picks. And they've converted Jokic and Monte Morris. And so if you look at, and they, they had um, Hernan Gomez as well. And they just traded, of course, a couple guys, made some Beasley upgrades. And they've was a numbers yep, a numbers crunch there that looks like he's a player. Yeah, no, they've done yep. extraordinarily well. And he's had a bad year this year, but they've done a great job of developing Gary Harris, at least in the years past. Yeah, but a, everybody's confused player. about that. That's don't don't knock them for that. He was like everybody universally agreed, like good, great player or like good extension. You know, good job getting that guy locked up. What what has happened to him this year I, is like I don't think anyone could quite figure out why that is maybe it's a health thing or whatever but anyway no he's done an exemplary job so if you're getting a gm who can do that type of a job with drafting and development and then if behind the scenes you you must uh work with like you know worldwide west and any of these other guys who uh can help kind of like put the brand out there in a positive way then you're not directly saying like we're going to get free agents you're saying we're going to build in-house, you know, again, work with shooting coaches, um, whatever it may be to help these players and, and turn them into the best versions of themselves that they can be. And then just keep building, keep maintaining that that flexibility because there's a possibility come like 2024. I'm looking ahead, but I'm looking ahead for a reason where only really two guys from this current core need to get paid what we would imagine are sizable contracts, right? RJ's comes off the books. Unless Mitch takes the bargain deal, which I hope he will. But yeah, no. But so the point being is that there's ample cap space. You don't have to worry about Joakim Noah ever again. Um, You can, you can fit players in and still have this effect where it's like, like a Luka Doncic on a, on a rookie level contract situation. But you don't even need. I know way Kristaps Porzingis, but they were able to, like they're able to move pieces around if necessary and open up max cap space in 2021 where they've got, Luca for cheap and they've got Porzingis on the expensive side, which is fine. Like they, they can, they but can, they've move. earned it. They right, earned that, it. Yeah. We like, I look, I, I am the one, I'm the one that said, don't give Gallinari the second guaranteed year because you don't want to cash that chip in because you don't cash your chips in when you, when it's not necessary. But at the same time, there's a, like you can be cautious with your cap space for that year at, well, at the same time, not, 
planning your future around like, oh, we have to gear everything up for that because that's not realistic. That's not what we should be thinking about. And it's not the smart way to build this team. And whether it's like you named a year, right? You named 2024, for whatever the year is, 2022, 2023, 2024, that's the timeline. Like that's the smart timeline. And it's all about just building one step at a time, one step at a time, one step at a time and not doing what we did this summer. It's a great pick. I thought about it. Um, but since he's a GM, I don't know that a lateral move to a different franchise, like how would that, how would that work? Would he, def- first of all, would he even want to do it? Um, like I don't, I just, that's, that was my hesitation with him. Yeah. I mean, it could potentially be money, right? Um, yeah. There's also resources. Again, it's hard to kind of detect from the outside for a lot of these things. Yeah. But another thing could be uh, Webster is still, I think it's, uh, no, it's not Webster. It, it, uh, uh, Connolly. I think it's Tim Connolly who's in charge in Denver. So you could potentially say to Karnasovas, like, hey, um, I'm obviously going to have final say as Leon Rose. I'm going I'm to have final say, but you have more room to work with if that's a possibility. Again, it's like that's the one thing about the front office aspect where it's like it's very hard for us to differentiate between like whose move is what. Is it a collaborative piece? Is it one person who's just signing off on yeah. things and the other is in the trenches? Are are they doing – it's just so challenging to tell. Um, but really, I mean you could you could probably say any of these – not any, but player but executives who come from these types of organizations, like maybe not Bobby Webster in Toronto, but someone who works closely with him. Well, can I give you my uh, guy? Please do. So my, this is obviously the last one on my list. Um, the pie in the sky for me is, is obviously Mike Zarin. Uh, he's not the guy I'm saying now because I don't think that that's realistic. I think the fact that he's been there for as long as he has, it's obviously a Harvard guy, Harvard law guy, excuse me. Um, I just think, He's waiting in the wings, and at this point, he might as well wait until Ainge decides to step down, and then he gets to be the GM of the Celtics, or sorry, the the president of the Celtics, um, or whatever the fuck Ainge's title is. Um, so th- that's the pie in the sky. My my guy that I'm saying right now is a realistic choice is Troy Weaver, who of course is I think his title now is the assistant GM of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, he's been with the Thunder for, I think it's the last 13 years now. I believe he went there, um, a month or a couple months before they drafted Russell Westbrook. So we're going back a ways. Um, he's like, if you go and look at any list of like, these guys are going to be the next, you know, in line for GM lists that have, come out in the last I want to say like four or five seasons he's the only one from any of those lists that hasn't actually gone ahead and gotten a GM job um, he's interviewed for them uh, going back several years he's interviewed for different positions hasn't gotten it I like it not only because obviously the Thunder are an incredibly successful organization not only because he's learned under Sam Presti who himself came from the Spurs organization but the Thunder are kind of unique in that maybe only beaten out by the Knicks, they have had to deal with, and it's from the players, because this was really more a Russ KD thing than an Oklahoma City Thunder thing. But like the media situation there was tricky. And it's a different animal. There's only one paper probably in Oklahoma City Thunder. Maybe there's two. I don't know. But it's nowhere near the media landscape in New York. But at the very least, 
this guy has some experience dealing with that aspect of it. And I think if you're going to be the GM in the Knicks, that that doesn't, I'm not saying that's a reason you hire a guy. It's not. You hire him because he's qualified for the position and probably he's going to do a great job. But like that doesn't hurt. Um, and I would encourage everybody to go read uh, Kevin Arnovitz did a write up on him uh, for ESPN like three years ago. Um, I will read one line from it. Weaver not only has a discerning eye for raw basketball talent, but a feel for whether a player's emotional makeup conforms to the team culture the Thunder hold as sacrosanct. He's an obsessive student of the NBA history with an understanding and love of the game. Um, this database allows him to consider every decision in a smart context. I, I just, he reads to me like a guy who's going to do good in this job. So that's my pick. Yeah. I mean, it would certainly be a promotion coming from a great organization. Yeah. I'm I'm with it. I'd be fine with that. Yeah, I, I mean, look, if they if they got you through these guys or several other guys who are out there that would also be good, um, you, we should all consider ourselves lucky. I, I don't want to end it on a down note, but like, if a month or two from now we hear that the Knicks have promoted Allen Houston to general manager, um, and he could do a great job. He could be the best channel manager in the history of the NBA. It's possible, right? But what would your reaction to that be? That's that's it. That's the reaction. I think that's that's. I mean, Ian just Ian Bagley just had the report for S and Y about how Leon Rose is going to take his time. Yeah. So my philosophy is. If he takes his time and interviews everyone, and by everyone I mean a lot of really good candidates, and settles on Alan Houston, it means that Alan Houston is incredible at his job or nothing has changed. And <laughs> it is definitely one of those two things. <laughs> right. <laughs> and nepotism has me believing it's more of the latter. But I, 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 at the end of the day, I don't think it will be Alan Houston. I think he'll have a prominent role in the front office, but I don't, I just don't see him ascending to this position based on the fact that having two guys who have really never worked in such an elite level of the front office, it's really hard to do. Uh, I mean, the Lakers did it with Magic and Polinka, and then, um, of course, they had LeBron James sign with them. So, and they won the, they kept their pick every single year and then traded it for Anthony Davis, all of them. So, you know, it's like, it just takes one thing, of course, but if you don't have that one star who's willing to change the entire dynamic of the NBA. No, it's, you don't need then, to try to justify that decision. Right. It's, it's, it would be, and again, yeah, yeah I, let me, a, a very quick aside. I had, I, I may have told the story on the pod before and I apologize if I did. I had a buddy like, I don't know, seven, eight, nine years ago that, but you remember Javid Best, the running back for the Detroit Lions? Yeah, sure. Yeah. He had like a really good rookie year. My, my buddy took him in the second round of the following year's fantasy draft. And I, I wrote afterwards and I did a little draft recap. I'm like, it doesn't matter if Javid Best has literally the greatest season in the history of the NFL. It was a terrible, it was a terrible pick because you could have gotten him, whatever, four rounds later. Like, if Allen Houston is the next Jerry West as an executive, guess what? Having his input as the assistant to the GM, um, you still get all those good, all that good stuff. 
and no one is hiring him away from you. You lose nothing by keeping him in that slightly diminished capacity. So there would be absolutely no reason to do this, to, to, to hire, to promote him to GM. Not, not that I think they will, but I, I just, I wanted to throw that out there. Yeah. Also, Javid Best, uh, his career ended when he was like 23 years old. That, that, well, and that was the I funniest mean part that, of it. Is I, he, he, he did not go on to have the greatest season right. in the history. Exactly. Well. So if he played if like Alan three Houston games, essentially, yeah, if he's, if he's essentially job at best, then the Knicks are screwed. <laughs> so hopefully he's not. <laughs> Let's hope he's not job at best. I, I hope job at best as well, wherever he is. Um, I, hope, I, I hope he's doing the best that he can. Yeah. They, they don't, they, there it is. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, I gotta love it. Um, okay. So this is fun. Um, if we, if we, <laughs> okay, let's take a bet right now. How, what, what's your, what's your over under for how many of these things the Knicks actually do? We have 10 things between us, right? We should have recorded actually what the 10 things were. I have my, do you have yours written down? I do. Okay. I have mine too. How many do you think they'll actually do? Um, on my list, I think total, they'll do total one. between our two lists. Uh, I, let's say three. I was going to put the over under at three and a half. I think that's a good place to say. Um, all right. Here's what I'm going to do. Um, I'm going to close this out before I, I ask you if there's anything else you want to say um, by asking our listeners, if you have a personal top five list, um, here's what I want you to do. Um, I want you to, if it's if it happens to be short, then feel free to uh, reply to the tweet that I use to promote this podcast and tell tell me what they are and um, I'll be sure to shout some of these out uh, or some of them out on the next episode. Um, or if it's a little bit longer, um, shoot an email over to uh, what the hell's the email? KFS mailbag at gmail.com. And um, on a later episode or uh, maybe a Q&A or at some point, I'll I'll shout out some of the good ones because I think this is a fun thing. And, and everybody should be able to get a get their, you know, hat in the ring. Um, Jeremy, any closing words or, uh, plugs, promotions from you? Um, as you I get on the train, something. what's up as you get on the train? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm, uh, I'm trying to work out a potential project for the site. So, um, I'm, I'm thinking something might come up soon okay. when it does. I'm excited. Well, no, I, that's yeah. short and sweet. Um, <laughs> I love it. Uh, I am going to close by doing something that I think I did a week ago or so. And uh, I I don't do often, but I promise myself I'm going to try to do more of, which is if you listen to the show and you like the show, um, do me a favor. um, Go and go and write a review. Go and give it a rating of, I think, what is it? five, Five stars. Is that the best rating? Yeah, I believe so. Okay. Yeah, whatever. Give it the most amount of stars you can. Um, because, uh, as crazy as it is to say, um, we are, you know, trying to make our way up in the world and, uh, those things, those things do help. So from me to you, um, you go, you all out there know me pretty well by, by now. So, um, I, I, I hope you could tell when I'm being genuine, uh, it would mean a lot if you could take the time and, um, yeah, give us a nice rating or a review or, or whatever it is you do on these podcast apps. Um, cause it helps us out. So that would be really nice. All right. Jeremy, um, go enjoy the rest of your Sunday, even though I'm going to be talking to you again <laughs> in about an hour. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we'll do this again next week. 
Sounds good. Thanks, John. Yeah. And uh, everybody out there, thank you, of course, for listening uh, to another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. We will talk to you again um, very soon. Giddy up. 